Well, last night, um, you know, we had a lot of laughter and because it was Juddy L's birthday party and we were showing him favor. And uh, not that we were doing him a favor, but we were, favor had to do with, with the grace of God. And so we had a great time and um, we ate some good pizza and we had a, an awesome cake and a tangleberry pie and it was a great time. We were sitting around and having a, a really, uh, really nice relaxing time. And then someone came up with the idea of telling it. Everyone, you know, telling one individual, which was Johnny Hall on his birthday, what, what they meant to him. And, of course, it, it came to me. And to me, um, you know, I could say that I loved him as a son. I don't, think he can, I don't think I could say anything deeper than that. And that involves a volume of things. And then... Uh, the, there would be time for me on those things because that, that type of a thing for me is so private and so sacred that it would take a while, you know, just to, to go over the things. And you would go over the, the person's <clears throat> life and your time spent with them. And I love what everybody shared. It's just a, the one thing that I could come up with is this. And it would be one thing for me to say what I would think of uh, Jody Allah, what I would think to everybody here. But the most important thing that, that I would be able to do is to tell yeah. Jody Allah and to tell everybody here what God thinks of you. And we should build each other up. We, we need to. And, uh, and that's very important. But the importance, mostly, the importance first, and this has to be first, uh, first before you build someone up in their own life. You have to build them up in who they are in Christ. It has to be that first. Because if that's not first, and I, and I don't believe this is the case in Jody All's life at all. I see him as a man of God, a man of the word, a man of loyalty, compassion, a man that uh, God has put in a place of suffering because it has to do with the depth of promotion and a call that he has for him and a depth that's going to be pretty hard to be equaled. Not that we compare each other. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about him and as an individual. But again, the most important thing that we could do, that I could do, is to tell him and encourage him again and again about what Christ thinks about him. But first, we need to know who Christ is in a depth that would prepare us to be able to edify someone, not to their hurt, because that can happen, not to their hurt but to the promotion of Christ in them as he promotes them in his presence. And again, that's why Psalm 75, 6 and 7, it says, For promotion comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. See that? God is the judge, meaning he knows when and where and how to promote those that have first himself promoted in them. So promotion comes from neither the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He knows. He puts down one, not necessarily in a negative sense. It can be that, but he can put us down until he's made us ready. He puts
puts down one, and what? What does it say? He builds up another. He lifts up another, right? And of course, in Jodiel's case, and all of our case, really, it's 1 Peter 5, 6, that we're to humble ourselves. And this is what suffering allows us to do in the most righteous way. Humble yourselves. In other words, it's not about you. It's not about you and I, apart from Christ. Anything about us, listen, not one single thing about us uh, has to do with anything other than Christ in us, period. You know, so for instance, we're, talk, we talk about, we're talking about a trip to go to Texas. And uh, I'm just, it's just kind of, of a parenthesis here. We're talking about a trip to go to Texas. First and foremost, that trip has to do with Christ being exalted. I'm going to tell you that right off the bat. It's not a vacation. You know, it will be a time to gather with spiritual family. And if they happen to be natural, spiritual family, that's even greater. But that becomes a greater opportunity to have Christ exalted. Right? Because remember, we need to remember what humility is. It's not thinking too highly of myself. It's not thinking too lowly of myself. You know what it is? It's not thinking of myself at all. It has to do with him, it has to do with Christ. That's why I said the most important thing that I could do to exalt Christ and to bless Jadiel would be to tell him what God thinks about him in the love of his son. It's the greatest thing I could ever do first and to have that established as a foundation in his life because if that wasn't established, then any praise would be just to raise pride in any individual. And, uh, and that's a beautiful thing to understand. That's a beautiful thing to really, to really thank God for. So 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself. And that simply means God has a plan, and that plan is designed to humble us. Okay? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Listen to what it says, that he may exalt you. You see that? I'm going to trust God. Honestly, I mean this with all my heart. I'm going to trust God to exalt Jadiel in his time, in his place where he has him, just like for everybody in this room and everyone that's listening. That he may exalt you in due time. That means his appointed time. And when that happens then we can cast all our care on him. We can. We'll cast all our care on him. Jodiel spoke about his mom and his brother and the depth of his heart. And see, so when Christ is exalted in him, he'll cast the care of his mom, his dad in heaven, his brother, his family, like any of us, like I do with my own family. You know, my family, natural, meaning unsaved, and those that are saved. And so, <clears throat> again, again, and, and God has me bringing this up for whatever reason, I don't know, but he knows. But again, even the trip to, to Texas, it has to do with the depth of things that, that I am aware of and things that I'm not even aware of, but I can guarantee you they have to do with Christ being exalted. 
and they have to do with this. In Psalm 107, verse 20, it says, he sent his word. And I'm going to tell you what we all need, but many people there need in Texas. And he healed them. And he delivered them from all their destruction. Why? Because in Matthew, because in John 10, 10a, the thief has come to steal, to kill and destroy. I love what Jodiel said this morning. Our family is a spiritual family. And what he was saying was very biblical because if you look at Luke 8, verse 21, and you look at Matthew 12, verse 50, I'm going to make it very, very clear that Christ cut himself off from all natural relations with natural family. That simply means there's to be no room. Spiritual family means there's to be no room for any natural family other than Christ himself because that's all that God's doing in us. He's making room for Christ only. Okay? So in Texas, there'll, there'll be a wedding. Yes, that's right. Okay? And there'll be family there. But who is the issue? Tell me who the issue is. I mean, because if he's the issue in my life, if he is, then who will be the issue there? What would be the change? What would be the change? There wouldn't be any. There would not be any. Now, again, I'm going to go back to to what I think of. I'm going to speak to, to Jeriel as, as, as a man, to him, in the scriptures. And I'm going to tell you some of the thoughts that God gave me. But I'm going to tell you all. I'm speaking personally to him, but I'm going to tell you this is true about all of us in Christ. And this is what God has prepared for us. This is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, and I'm going to read this. And I'm going to start in verse 1. See, there's, there's no room for self when Christ is exalted. There just isn't. Yeah, there just isn't. And intimacy will do away with that. A hunger for Christ will do away with that. Here's uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I'm going to stop there because God's bringing something to my mind and I want to share this with you. We were meeting, and I think this is at least 10, maybe 11 years ago, right around that time. I could be wrong in a year or two, but I remember sharing in, in, a, uh, in the Royal pizza place in Keene, which was a very beautiful place, I was sharing a verse. And I'm going to tell you what I, what I shared. And because it had been, at that time when I came to, to, to Texas then, uh, and, and to see Mike Fenton and those guys that were there, the people that were there, and at that time we had 25 adults and 30 kids had some young families with between four and five kids, young families. And it was a very exciting and very intense time at the, at the same time. This is 2 Corinthians 12, verse four, 14. And this is why I want to share this, because it was the third time 
at that time that I had come, that I had come to Texas. It says, "Behold, the third time, I am ready to come to you." You see what that says? And I will not be burdensome to you. I didn't go there to be burdensome to anybody. Matter of fact, it wasn't even my natural will to even go there. It didn't have a single thing to do with it. Okay? I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdened to you. Why? Why? Well, because I don't seek yours. In other words, I don't want something from you. And by going to Texas, I don't want to take something from you. I don't. I'm going to tell you, first and foremost, I'm going there because it's God's will. I'm going to make that crystal clear. With a discernment and lives there, and intimacy, and the depth of things that are going on there that most have not a clue about. For I seek not yours, but you. Isn't that interesting? But you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Verse 15. And here's what happens when this is true. This will always be what happens when you're going to seek Christ to be glorified in individuals, not trying to take away something from them, but you just desire them. For I will gladly spend and be spent for you. And really, the Greek says, for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I'm loved. Isn't that interesting? It's the way it always is. I remember sharing this verse, preaching on it, teaching on it there. And then a man got up. His name was Mike Fenton. He got up, and for a solid half hour, he wept. And I'm talking loud, loud. And continuously for a half hour. And this, and he said to me this. He said, I always had a problem with my with my friend Ed. Because I always felt like he wanted something from me. When he just wanted me. It's all I ever wanted. It's all I ever want from anybody. It's all I ever seek. Because fellowship is, you know, you seek and hopefully you find Christ in another individual. Well, again, after I shared that, Mike got up and he said that. But he said, God took this even further. He said, God took this even further than my friend Ed. He said, because God revealed that to him, how he thought about God. That's what he told him. That's what he shared loud and clear. I don't know how many times I've gone there since Texas. I mean, my wife and I, you know, because we did desire. And first and foremost, we walked in God's perfect will about that. And I want to tell you, that was was nothing easy for my wife. It It was probably one of the hardest things she's ever done. But she did it in obedience to God. And it was very difficult for me, too. Very difficult. Because we had to sell our house and be out in three weeks. <laughs> Sell it, move, and be out in three weeks. And we did that. What? 
you know, honestly, because Christ, because Christ was exalted in our hearts. And, and who did that? Only he himself did that. So uh, we did that. And in the process, we, we lost some things. But what were they in comparison to the gaining of Christ being exalted in individual souls and having a fellowship with them? And, and, then, and, and then we were there in probably, I don't know, maybe just under a year and a half or so, and God called us back here. But do we see why? Do, do we see why this morning? Because it's him, isn't it? Isn't it him? I mean, when we were all around Jeriel last night and we were expressing our hearts towards him, what were we doing? Well, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in these fragile clay jars, you know? And we are very fragile. I don't care who you are. I don't care who's here. I can tell you myself, I am a very fragile individual. No different than anybody else. But we have this treasure in these fragile clay jars. Why? Listen, that the excelling power may be of God. And listen to what it's not of us. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am. That old me, that old natural stuff is crucified. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ. That's Christianity in a nutshell. That's fellowship in a nutshell. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In this life that I now live in this fragile clay jar, this human body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't, I don't frustrate any longer the grace of God functioning in the natural natural desire. I don't frustrate. I don't make void the grace of God. For if righteousness come by some kind of law through the flesh, then Christ died for nothing. He died in vain. And of course we know he didn't. But this is 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. And these things I came down from from studying early this morning, and again, when I say study, I'm just there, a weak, frail vessel, asking God, what do you have for me? And things I'm sharing this, this morning were not one single thing that I studied. Because I came down here this morning, and even before I came down, and I said, God, I don't have anything this morning. I just don't. And so, did I get an answer? No, no. But really, what was the answer? We walk by faith, not by sight or feeling. So I came down, and this is what he gave me. And this is what I believe that he has for all of us. But I'm going to speak to Jediel this morning. But as it is, is written, well, first let me read uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. I, I, brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. And this is my heart for everybody here. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. There goes the natural. You know, that's what the natural will do. It'll keep out the intimacy of fellowship. And I was with you in weakness, notice that? And in reverence 
and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Listen, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of Christ, in the power of God. How, about, how be it we speak wisdom? What kind of wisdom is that? We speak wisdom in, in a beautiful and a very intense way among them that are complete, those that are complete in Christ. Yet not the wisdom of this world, because the wisdom of this world only has to do with natural, and natural only has to do with myself, me, myself, and I. Nor of the princes of this world, the rulers that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Why is it a mystery? It's a mystery to the natural. It's a mystery to the world. It's the mystery to the pride of men. It's a mystery. Why would this person go here? Why would this person do this? Why would this person do that? It's a mystery, isn't it? Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world who are under the prince and power of the air in Ephesians 2.2, the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4.4, the prince of this world, system in John 12, 31 and in John 14, 30, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they, would have, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. And this is what I have to say to all of us, but, but to Jadiel and everything as a young man that he's gone through and everything, it seems like so much in such a short period of time, but this is the reason why. But as it is written, eye is not seen, nor ear heard. Neither is entered into the heart, the very mind of man, the things which God has prepared, and they're already prepared. Long before any one of us ever suffered, long before uh, Jeriel ever suffered a thing or still does now, which God has prepared because he knew those that would receive his love and love him back with, for them that love him. But you know, God has revealed them unto us by his spirit, something the natural can't have anything to do with. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God, and there's a depth, there's a depth. And I, and I am going to stop with this. There is a depth there's a depth, and I'm going to share the depth of what God is, is leading and bringing uh, a Jadiel to, to in his life. Because he asked this thing. He asked them, and I know this is the desire of his heart, that he wants to know God. Meaning, he wants to know God the way God knows him. Don't you? And don't you and each other? Are you determined and am I determined not to see in anything on a, in each individual in Christ other than Christ himself? And by the way, him crucified. And that means the things that you may see that you may not like about another individual, as far as God's concerned, they're already crucified. And we're to know no man after the flesh in 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Because all things are new. All things have passed away. All things are new in him. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and Jesus said in Revelations 21, verse 5, write these things. Write them on your heart. 
accepted because they're true and faithful. Well, Philippians 3, 8, 8, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excelling knowledge of Jesus Christ. My Lord. See that? That's personal. My Lord, my Master, for whom I have suffered. Do you see that? I have suffered the loss of all things. See, it's a privilege to suffer with him and do it righteously. And do count them, but dung, that I may win him. And here it is, and be found in him. Oh, boy. You won't find him in anything natural, by the way. You won't find him in anything in natural desires. And be found in him, listen, not having my own righteousness, which has to do with just me and no one else, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And here it is. The two verses that I read, I remember reading 1 Corinthians 2.9, and God made that verse so real to me as I stood in the library on 40 Kemble Street in Lenox, Massachusetts in, in early, early 1982. And God made that verse in 1 Corinthians 2.9, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love them. And he made that verse very real to me. And he made this verse very real to another person and he made it extremely real that I may know him. This is Philippians 3.10. That I may know him. That I may only desire to know him in each individual and not another thing. That determination, I made a determination, Paul said, to know nothing among you Nothing in or around you or about you, but Christ and him crucified. And again, it's 1 Corinthians 2, 2. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And that's a depth of fellowship. But you know what the greatest depth is? Listen to it. And the fellowship of his sufferings. You know the sufferings that we have? Okay. If Christ had left and no one ever had received him as their Lord and their master, their Savior... All those sufferings would have been his. But part of a depth of fellowship with him is receiving those sufferings that would have been his. Now they're ours in him. And that's a privilege. So if you're wondering why, you question why, here's the answer. The fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And what does that mean? Oh, how he did that to God. Oh, how he did it because he loves so many. What a place for that to be. There is a depth of fellowship. And in 2 Timothy 2, 12, if we suffer with him right now, not just, but for all eternity, but right now we'll reign with him. We'll reign with him. And, but we can deny it too. And it would be of no value. Because we can reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us, on us, and through us. And to get that white stone in Revelations 2.17, to eat hidden manna, to eat the hidden manna, 
What does that mean? Isaiah 45, verse 3, God said, I'll give you the treasures of darkness. It can be a dark time. It can be lonely to suffer. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches in secret places that you may know that I'm the Lord. And that will go into a white stone, that diamond inscribed on it, that will be a depth of fellowship based upon the suffering and everything that Christ went through with you as an individual. And you will fellowship with him in a depth for all eternity, for all eternity, that I may know him. Should we know anything other than him about each other? Nope. And did you know that God even weighs every suffering? He's weighed it all. He did in his son before it became ours. And that's what Paul said in Colossians 1 and verse 24, that I may fill up the sufferings of Christ. You know, suffering righteously, you wouldn't even have it if you didn't have Christ in you. But did you know that he suffers with you? That's part of his intercession, where he intercedes for you. In Romans 8, 34, he ever lives to make an intercession in Hebrews 7, verse 25. He does so in 9, verse 24 of Hebrews. He is interceding for you, and he is preparing a place for you. In John 14, 2 and 3, that you will share with him individually for all eternity. And we've said before, we'll have fellowship, intimate fellowship with each other, but nothing will ever replace the fellowship that was born out of a suffering that that individual will have with Christ for all eternity. So, Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for every single thing that you're doing. And thank you that every single thing about us has to do with you and you alone. But thankful that you've made yourself to be our all. And oh my God, I pray that you who are all in all would be our all in Colossians 3.11. We thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.